Oi, hello, hola, bonjour, bienvenue, welcome everyone. It's June 7th and it is good to have an international group of friends and fellow travelers on this one-year Bible tour. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church and the producing director of New Life Fine Arts, which presents theater you can believe in with the gospel at the core. You can find more information about New Life and its ministries based in the Boston area here in Concord, Massachusetts, by going to our website, newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. On this podcast, we read daily from the One Year Bible, a reading plan you can access on the internet at oneyearbibleonline.com, or you can purchase the One Year Bible at your local bookstore. My wife and I have been reading the Bible daily for 47 years, and we have found the One Year Bible has kept us on the same page and helps us keep moving through the Bible with the central theme of the person and work of Jesus Christ in view. Another discovery we have made is summed up in the words of Charles Spurgeon, who said, Biblical texts will often refuse to reveal their treasures until you open them with the key of prayer. This prayerful disposition has helped us in many ways as we come to study the Bible. So as we begin today's journey, let's ask the Lord once again in the words of the psalmist to open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of His Word. Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Son, the Lord Jesus, who is the truth. And we pray that we would come to know you through him more clearly today. We ask that you would have your way, that you would speak to us, correct us where we need correction, enlighten us where we need your wisdom. And we ask this in the name of him who is our Lord and our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Later in our podcast, we'll be going to the New Testament book of Acts, and then we will also have a reading from the book of Psalms with our special guest, our granddaughter, Selah McAdam. It's good to have her company on this podcast. First, let's start with our Old Testament reading. We are in the historical books dealing with the kings of Israel. Today, in the book of 1 Kings, the scepter of rule is passed from King David to King Solomon after David gives special instructions to his son. So let's start with 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And I am reading from the English Standard Version. David's Instructions to Solomon When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong, and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you also know what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, how he dealt with the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner the son of Ner and Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed, avenging in time of peace for blood that had been shed in war, and putting the blood of war on the belt around his waist and on the sandals on his feet. Act, therefore, according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to shale in peace. But deal loyally with the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for with such loyalty they met me when I fled from Absalom your brother. And there is also with you Shimei, 
the son of Gera, the Benjaminite, from Bahurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with a sword. Now therefore do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do to him, and you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was forty years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and thirty-three years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And she said, Do you come peacefully? He said, Peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. She said, Speak. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel fully expected me to reign. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. And now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, Speak. And he said, Please ask King Solomon, he will not refuse you, to give me Abishag the Shunammite as my wife. Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak for you to the king. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. She said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah your brother as his wife. King Solomon answered his mother, And why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, and on his side are Abiathar the priest and Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if this word does not cost Adonijah his life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has established me and placed me on the throne of David my father, and who has made me a house as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down, and he died. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your estate, for you deserve death. But I will not at this time put you to death, because you carried the ark of the Lord before David my father, and because you shared in all my father's affliction. So Solomon expelled Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. When the news came to Joab, for Joab had supported Adonijah, although he had not supported Absalom, Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And when it was told King Solomon, Joab has fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he is beside the altar, Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, strike him down. So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, The king commands, Come out. But he said, No, I will die here. Then Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. The king replied to him, Do as he has said, strike him down and bury him, and thus take away from me and from my father's house 
the guilt for the blood that Joab shed without cause. The Lord will bring back his bloody deeds on his own head, because without the knowledge of my father David, he attacked and killed with the sword two men more righteous and better than himself, Abner the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. So shall their blood come back on the head of Joab, and on the head of his descendants forever. But for David, and for his descendants, and for his house, and for his throne, there shall be peace from the Lord forevermore. Then Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and struck him down, and put him to death, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada over the army in place of Joab, and the king put Zadok the priest in the place of Abiathar. Then the king sent and summoned Shemai, and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem, and dwell there, and do not go out from there to any place whatever. For on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain that you shall die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shemai said to the king, What you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. So Shemai lived in Jerusalem many days. But it happened at the end of three years that two of Shimei's servants ran away to Achish, son of Maacah, king of Gath. And when it was told Shimei, Behold, your servants are in Gath, Shimei arose and saddled his donkey and went to Gath to Achish to seek his servants. Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. And when Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and returned, the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and go to any place whatever you shall die? And you said to me, What you say is good, I will obey? Why then have you not kept your oath to the Lord and the commandment with which I commanded you? The king also said to Shemai, You know in your own heart all the harm that you did to David my father, so the Lord will bring back your harm on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Then the king commanded Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. So the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Chapter 3 Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of 1 Kings. Now, as is our custom on this tour, let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. King David gives his final charge to his son Solomon before he dies. He accepts his mortality. I am going the way of all the earth. He admonishes Solomon to be ready to lead in his absence. Most importantly, he is to walk according to what is written in the law of God. Apart from obedience to his ways, his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, Solomon cannot succeed. This promise of a continued dynasty is conditioned upon his faithfulness to the Lord and the faithfulness of his descendants. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His ordinances, and His testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, 
that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We know that Solomon and future generations would fail to keep their part of the bargain, but that Jesus, the root and offspring of Jesse, the greater and truer David and son of David, will fulfill the conditions of the Davidic covenant, and his rule will be established forever. David lets Solomon know that he has some unfinished business with his nephew, Joab, the renegade commander who shed the blood of Abner, Absalom, and Amasa. He asks Solomon to deal with him according to his wisdom, yet not to let him off too easily, hold him accountable. He reminds Solomon to continue to reward Barzillai and his family for his loyalty with kindness. He also reminds him to be sure to punish Shimei if he violates the terms of his probation, which was never to leave Jerusalem. Three years after David's death, Shimei leaves Jerusalem for Gath to search for his runaway slaves in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 39-46. to 46. Benaiah implements Solomon's orders and kills Shimei. David dies having reigned as king for forty years, thirty over the United Kingdom in Jerusalem, and seven and a half years over Israel in Hebron. Adonijah makes a request to marry David's concubine, Abishag, the Shunammite. Rather than make the request directly to Solomon, Adonijah asks Bathsheba to intercede. He is convinced that Solomon would not refuse her in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 17. This shows the cultural understanding of the influence that a mother would have over her son. Some suggest that this understanding is what prompts some to mistakenly attribute the mediatorial powers of Mary, the mother of Jesus, over Jesus. Yet the scripture makes clear, there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. According to the culture of that day, to have relations with one of the king's women would be equivalent to laying claim to the throne. Regardless of Adonijah's intentions or Abishag's virginity, Solomon took his request as insubordination and called for his death. Benaiah obeys the king's orders and kills Solomon's older brother, Adonijah. Abiathar, who had conspired with Adonijah during his attempt to usurp the throne, is removed from his priesthood and sentenced by Solomon to live in his hometown of Anathoth. The now defrocked Abiathar is the last in the line of Eli to serve as priest, fulfilling the prophecy given about the house of Eli. With the loose ends from the previous rebellions, that of Absalom and Adonijah, and the delayed punishments of Joab, Abiathar, and Shemai dealt with, the kingdom is firmly established in Solomon's hands. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 46. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon forms an alliance with Egypt by marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. Solomon married royal princesses to secure political relationships with other countries. It was thought to be a means of securing peace. However, the law of Moses forbade this practice, explicitly saying that kings should not multiply wives, implying that if kings are forbidden to do it, so are their subjects. Polygamy undermined what God intended to reflect in marriage. The covenant commitment between one woman and one man was to be one of fidelity, mirroring the commitment of Christ to His church and the church to Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25-33 through 33, 
and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Sacrifices were only to be made according to the ways prescribed in the law. This would prevent people worshipping the gods of their imagination in the ways of their imagination, rather than recognizing what God has revealed about Himself in Scripture. These stipulations were to prevent pagan practices and alternative methods of worship from infiltrating God's covenant community. Worship was to take place as God prescribed and in God's appointed places. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every cultic place you see. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. Solomon and others began to make sacrifices on the high places. There the offerings would not be made under the careful watch of the priests. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Acts in the New Testament. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 42. The account of Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed." But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, 
Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men, for before these days Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about four hundred, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. This concludes our reading from the New Testament book of Acts. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. The Holy Spirit brought judgment on the sins of Ananias and Sapphira because these sins are particularly destructive to the church, dishonesty, greed, and covetousness. Their sin was not that they did not give all the money from the sale of the property. Their sin was that they were dishonest in their representation to the church. They wanted to appear more generous than they actually were. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The fruit of His indwelling presence is love, and all its attributes, including generosity and contentment with their allotment. Christ, the head of the church, was actively safeguarding his testimony in the church through the discipline of the Holy Spirit. A healthy fear of the Lord came upon the children of Israel in their first days after they crossed the Jordan because God brought swift judgment on Achan and his household due to his disobedience. 
trouble was brought upon the children of Israel, causing the nation to suffer defeat because of this man's transgression. Sin was in the camp. Likewise, God clearly established His testimony of holiness from the earliest days of the church by bringing swift judgment on the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. The apostles did miracles in Jesus' name, and large gatherings took place in Solomon's colonnade. Despite their popularity, none dared to associate with them, that is, joining them in church membership, probably because of the serious testimony of holiness and potential persecution, in Acts chapter 5, verse 13. Jealousy provokes the high priest and his Sadducee associates to have the apostles arrested and jailed. An angel breaks open the prison doors and releases the apostles with this commission, Go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Acts chapter 5, verse 20. The apostles waste no time. At daybreak, they are back in the temple courts, preaching Christ. Soon the religious authorities realize that their prisoners have escaped, even though the cell had been guarded and the doors securely locked. The captain of the temple guard finds the apostles and brings them before the Sanhedrin. The religious authorities testified that the apostles have filled Jerusalem with their teaching. Why have they disobeyed the gag order? They reply, We must obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Peter uses the opportunity to preach the truth about Jesus Christ before the same body of people who had plotted to kill him. Peter affirms not only the facts of the death and resurrection of Jesus, but the purpose that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. He also lets them know that God the Holy Spirit is empowering the witness of the church. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. The religious authorities are furious and want to put the apostles to death, but they are eventually calmed down by the highly respected Pharisee Gamaliel, the instructor of Saul of Tarsus, soon to become the Apostle Paul. Gamaliel gives this noncommittal assessment and advises them to leave the apostles alone. He says, So in the present case I say to you, Stay away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Acts chapter 5, verses 38 through 39. They flog Peter and John before releasing them. Once again, the leaders order them not to preach in the name of Jesus. The apostles leave rejoicing, not in their suffering, but rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. Their affliction was brutal. The pain they felt was not lessened because they were Christians. Peter and John did not emerge from this experience as pictures of those who were in perfect health, but the Spirit of glory was upon them. They were comforted to know that Jesus had suffered in the same way, and now they were understanding the meaning of their sufferings. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, It was by his stripes that they had been healed, and now the result of their witness to him, the witness of their words and of their lives, had brought them into actual participation in like sufferings, through which his redeeming power and purpose were served. Herein lay the high honor of the dishonor. Such suffering was the highest seal of approval of him who had crowned their Lord with glory and honor that he might taste death for every man. That they also were so, in measure, crowned, was surely a justifiable reason for rejoicing. When the cross is really endured, the shame is despised, and it becomes a reason for joy. End quote. 
from G. Campbell Morgan's Searchlights from the Word, page 327. Now let's go to the book of Psalms, and reading Psalm 125 is our granddaughter, Selah. This is the sixth step in the Psalms of Ascents, a song sung on the way up to Jerusalem to worship. Psalm 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Thank you, Selah. In Psalm 125, another step is taken in the Song of Ascents. They are going up to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion. Their eyes have been lifted up to the hills, to the mountains, and now to the Lord. It is a song of confidence in verses 1 and 2, a promise in verse 3, followed by a prayer in verse 4, and a word of warning in verse 5. Their faith in the Lord is rock-solid because the Lord is their solid rock. He eternally encompasses them with His care. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. In verses 1 and 2, they know that the Lord alone is their hope and their peace. May God's peace be upon Israel. Now let's go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, and we'll be reading Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Most translations say there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This is a reminder that we are so easily deceived by our own estimations. How important it is that we hear God's word and obey it. This proverb repeats what we read in Proverbs 14, verse 12. Now let's pray together. Lord, your kingdom is everlasting, righteous, and pure. We are grateful to be your children and loyal citizens through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we be bold witnesses in the power of your Spirit, using every opportunity to testify of our Savior and his provision for the forgiveness of sins. Help us to proclaim all the words of this life we have found in him. We ask that we would see your kingdom purposes advanced today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this concludes our podcast for today, and we are excited about continuing tomorrow, both in the book of 1 Kings and the book of Acts, the Songs of Ascents, and Proverbs. Thank you for being part of this Bible reading community. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write an email to us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a free transcript of our accompanying Bible study to the daily reading, you can go to our website and subscribe at newlife.org. So until tomorrow, shalom.